morning we turn to Psalm 100. We read the inspired word of God found here in Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. We take as our text this morning, verse 4. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. May God bless his word to our hearts. Beloved, this psalm is a part of a group of psalms that were often sung by the people of God as they were walking up to the temple or the tabernacle in Jerusalem. Psalm 91 through Psalm 100 are grouped into a group of psalms of praise that were sung with thankfulness to God as they would engage in that act of worship. And so often as they were walking up then to Jerusalem, it was set on a hill Jerusalem was, and so it was actually walking up to Jerusalem that they would sing. And these songs, these psalms would be on their lips. Now, strikingly, the theme of this group of psalms is Jehovah is King. David, you recall, had brought the tabernacle, or he had brought the ark up to Jerusalem in order to designate that truth, that Jehovah, he reigned from Jerusalem. David wasn't the king, but it was God who was ruling, and David then was functioning on God's behalf. And that theme is a theme that runs through these psalms. Jehovah is the king. And now as they would ascend up to Jerusalem, that theme would be on their lips. Psalm 100 is the last of those psalms. And strikingly, this is the only psalm in the psalms that has as its heading a psalm of praise. And literally that means a psalm of thanksgiving or giving of thanks. All of the psalms and many of the psalms, you know, have thanksgiving as their theme, but this one actually the heading is given that title. The same gladness that was expressed throughout these psalms as they went up to the temple is the gladness that God works in our hearts. We can imagine that long procession going up to Jerusalem singing these psalms with a song in their heart that was rising from their, through their mouths. And as they were doing so, there was three things really that were on the foreground. How was it that they would show their thankfulness, their praise to God? By serving Him, by singing, and then by growing in knowledge. And we want to especially see those three things as those three things occupy also the heart and essence of our gratitude to God. We serve Him with gladness. We sing thankful praise to Him. And we desire to grow. We want to know more about Him. And we desire to increase in our understanding of His greatness and as of, of His glory. The word thanksgiving means to praise well. 
from the heart with joy, expressing then that gratitude and that praise to God for what God has done for us. So long as we're recipients of God's mercy, we express that thankfulness. And there's so much for which to make known that gratitude. Our thanksgiving reflects the theme of this psalm. Serving God, singing, and growing in knowledge and understanding. And as we do that, we realize God has blessed us with so much more than we need. God has blessed us abundantly, physically, and for that we're we're grateful, we're thankful. God has blessed us spiritually in giving us his word and giving us the treasures that are found therein. God has blessed us in terms of upholding us and giving us strength throughout the course of this past year. And as such, we're grateful. And we acknowledge that God has led many of us through trials, through surgeries, through afflictions, and through it all, we see his faithfulness. And so we gather together this morning with that focus, that thanksgiving that expresses itself in service, in song, and in growing in knowledge. Entering into God's courts with thanksgiving, we take as our theme, and we note here the privilege, the manner, and the longing. Enter into his gates. As I stated, God's people were coming up the hill into Jerusalem. And as they got closer to the city, they would walk through the marvelous gates that gave entrance into Jerusalem. This was a picture of them coming into the presence of Jehovah in order to know communion and fellowship with God. It was a picture of them acknowledging that God is dwelling here. This is God's presence in Jerusalem. And God is present there now, and our desire is not to live apart from Him. We need Him. And we live in the conscious wonder of His nearness and our need to express that. And so as they would go up to Jerusalem then, that was their confession. This was an expression of need for communion with Jehovah and acknowledging that we are now entering into the presence of the Almighty God, the God of heaven and earth, who's holy, who's righteous, a God who is the sovereign God, who rules all things. And now we come into his presence. Now as they made that procession, they were deeply aware of their inadequacy. They were not worthy. And they demonstrated that in this manner. They came with their sacrifices. They were towing lambs behind them. They had oxen with them. They had turtle doves with them. There was a whole fleet of animals that were accompanying them on their way up to Jerusalem. And that was an expression of acknowledgement. We're not worthy. We can't come into the presence of this great God without a sacrifice, without a substitute. And so they would bring their substitute, the lamb, the turtle dove, the ox, and that would be sacrificed and offered up in their place in order that they might understand consciously, we're sinners, we deserve to die. But this great God is pleased to provide for us a substitute. And through that substitute, we are able to know communion and fellowship with the presence of the Almighty God. They didn't deserve to come. They knew that they were undeserving. And yet they would come through those sacrifices that were being carried and borne with them. The confession with which they came is that of verse 3. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. We didn't make ourselves. 
We didn't somehow evolve over time of our own. We are those whom Jehovah God has created. We are those whom Jehovah God has formed and fashioned. And even more than that, we're those whom he has redeemed. He's not only made us, but he's taken us now and adopted us into his family so that we are the sheep of his pasture. We're his. We belong to him. And acknowledging that wonder, they made that trek then up to Jerusalem. The Lord is my shepherd. That's what we derive from this. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And that's our confession as well as we come into the presence of Jehovah God. We acknowledge that we're his sheep. He's taken us and embraced us in love. And the Lord is my shepherd. And we come into his presence not on the basis of anything of ourselves. We're unworthy. We have nothing of ourselves to stand on. We are entirely dependent upon the substitute whom he provided. The Lamb, our Lord Jesus Christ. And by the power of that sacrifice, we call upon him as our Father. We know him as our God. And yet we're so insignificant. We're sinners. As sinners, we come into the court of the Almighty God. And we do so then with joy, with thankfulness. How else could we come in to his presence? We acknowledge the wonder of wonders that he has given us a way into communion and fellowship with himself. And though we're sinners, we don't deserve fellowship with this holy, righteous, glorious God. We have a way through the Lamb who was shed on our behalf. Now the marvelous privilege of that is that which we experience in our hearts. If we just think about it, if we were to go to the White House in order to see President Biden, we wouldn't get very close. You'd get stopped. And you wouldn't be able to get very close to the White House because of all the security in place. Not so with the Almighty God of heaven and earth. The Almighty God of heaven and earth calls us unto himself. And he works in us the faith by which we believe that we can come into his presence. We will not be turned away. He will receive us in love. He will embrace us. And he will give to us to know too the joy and the wonder of that fellowship, that communion with him. We gather to acknowledge that gratitude. What a privilege that we belong to Jesus Christ. That's nothing of ourselves. What a wonder that he chose us to be his sheep. That he set his love upon us even while we were yet enemies. That from eternity, he elected us and in time gave us that substitute, Jesus Christ, and works the faith in our hearts by which we acknowledge we belong to Jesus Christ. We are those who are members of the family of God and he has received us in love. He blesses us in ways that we would never imagine. He's able to turn our sin even to good. So that we can look back and we, with shame, acknowledge our failures and faults. And we see how God mercifully and graciously worked it in such a way that it actually served our well-being and worked spiritual fruit in our lives. God gives us to stand in awe. And as we do so then, standing in awe of this great God coming into his presence, what is the longing of our hearts? To serve him. 
to sing. He puts a new song in our hearts. And our desire is to know him more. To grow in our understanding of his greatness and his glory. So that even to a greater measure, that service will be evident. That song will be there. We're never satisfied with where we're at. We're constantly desirous to be growing and increasing in our understanding of this great and glorious God who has chosen us. The object of our thanksgiving then is Jehovah, the I am that I am. The most important thing in the context of thanksgiving is to know the one who's worthy of all praise and thanksgiving, Jehovah. And that emphasis is throughout this psalm. Serve the Lord with all caps. That's Jehovah. Know ye that the Lord, again, Jehovah, he is God. For the Lord, Jehovah, is good. This Jehovah is the I am that I am, the unchangeable God. He's the perfectly sufficient one. He has no need of anything or anyone to assist him. He has everything that is necessary as the perfectly independent God. In his being, in his works, he's Jehovah. He's all-wise, all-knowing. He's ordaining all things from eternity to eternity. Everything in our lives is all according to his plan and his purpose and all serves that which he has ordained. And so he is the unchangeable one in himself eternally set forth as the covenant-keeping God of his people. This God is good. That's another marvelous confession that God works in the hearts of his children. God is good. And you'll hear that confession from saints who are going through difficult trials and difficult struggles. Their life is being turned upside down. And what is their confession? God is good. This is the wonder. The wonder of the work of God's grace in our hearts. That his plans are good. And how is that understandable? There's no greater way to understand that than the cross. What an astounding plan of God to ordain the death of his own son. And yet, that plan was good. And knowing Christ and knowing the wonder of the cross then, all that takes place in our lives is good. As we know that God is working all things together for good. Thanksgiving, then, isn't just a rejoicing in things. It is that. We're grateful for the things that God has provided. Grateful for the relationships, the possessions, all the means that God has given us that we might be busy in his service. But Thanksgiving especially is a rejoicing in Jehovah and who he is, what great things he's done for us, and the debt of gratitude that we owe unto him. That was the spirit that was evident already in the Old Testament Israelites. That's what moved them to sing these psalms as they're walking, making their way up to the presence of Jehovah God in Jerusalem. This song on their hearts, this gratitude rising out of thankfulness for Jehovah. And think of the reasons they had, which also we share. Reasons that the church has to praise and to thank this great God. Jehovah is the one who created all things. And as we read the account of creation, again and again we stand in awe. He spoke and it all came to pass. This great God created the heavens and the earth and everything that's in them. This is the God that was with his people from early on. It's the God that 
revealed himself to Adam and Eve in the garden after they sinned. The God that gave the mother promise that he would send a seed of the woman who would accomplish the wonder of salvation and overcome the seed of the serpent. This is the God that throughout all of history was present there with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob, affirming his covenant, testifying of his goodness and his mercies toward them and assuring them that he was with them and he would preserve and keep them. This was the God who brought his people out of Egypt by ten mighty plagues. Wonders, as we've been looking at. Wonders that displayed his greatness, his glory. There is no other God other than me. This is the God that brought Israel through the midst of the Red Sea on dry ground, parting the waters so that they could pass right through the midst of the sea on dry ground. This great God fought their battles. He took out Jericho for them in a marvelous way. They stood in awe, and all the enemies around were astonished and filled with fear. Who is this God that anyone can stand before him? This God sent manna, sent quail. This God led them through victory after victory. This God gave them kings, kings like David and Solomon, Asa and Jehoshaphat and Joash, kings that led them in the way of teaching them the fear of the Lord, getting rid of idolatry and restoring them in fellowship with God, teaching them Jehovah and the greatness of his glory and his works. The children of God in Israel, who were sinners, came to the tabernacle, they came to the temple with joy. They knew the riches of God's mercy. They knew the wondrous works that God has performed. And now they are there to express their thankfulness for the marvelous wonder that they know Him as their God and that they're committed and privileged to serve Him, to show it by singing, and to do so then in a manner that reflects their desire to grow, to understand this great God more in order that he receives even to a greater measure their gratitude and thankfulness. Verse 5 sets forth the basis of that thanksgiving. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. These are the truths that reverberate through our minds every day. And they're the truths that we're reminded of on Thanksgiving Day. What is it that we are thankful for? The Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And His truth endureth to all generations. As we spend time with family, with friends, as we eat and we drink today, this is what goes through our minds. Jehovah, He is good. As we struggle because we miss family members whom God took from us, as we struggle because of the circumstances in which God puts us, God is good. His mercy is everlasting. And His mercy is such that He sustains us. He provides us with what we need day by day. As we look at our children, we look at grandchildren, great-grandchildren, what is it that goes through our minds? His truth endureth to all generations. How astounding that Jehovah God would be pleased to continue His covenant in our generations. And then, beloved, we have even more than the Israelites did. The Israelites had so much. But we know God has blessed us with the realities of which they had but the pictures. We now have Christ. 
We have the pouring out of His Spirit in our hearts. We have the blessed assurance and the knowledge and wonder of the cross. God has given to us the resurrection. God has given to us material gifts that are so bountiful that can't even begin to compare to what the Israelites of old had. If we were to try to inventory our possessions, some of us would take weeks, perhaps months, to try to figure out our net worth. God has loaded us with bounty. And he's given us so much. And we especially take that into consideration. We think of the saints that God has given us contact with. Recently, we've had newsletters from the saints in Myanmar, others throughout the world. Those saints in Myanmar have a little cup of rice often to start the day. And that's all they get all day. And they pray for the grace that God will sustain them with that little cup of rice for all the activities of the day. They don't have churches. They don't have fellowship like we're able to have with many saints. Right now, they're struggling in terms of the oppression of the government and war. We think of saints whom God has scattered throughout the world with whom we have contact. And then we look at what great things God has done for us. And we're ashamed. How often we take it for granted. We're not as thankful as we ought. Beloved, God has given us to know boundless benefits. And having Christ living in our hearts by His Spirit, our motivation then is to serve Him, to sing, and to grow in our knowledge of His greatness and His glory. And so the manner we do that is to be thankful. And we look at here, that word, to be thankful. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and then later be thankful unto him. The meaning literally is to point out with the hand, to point away from oneself, and to direct that hand to the one upon whom we are dependent. And so that's the picture here. The picture is that of the child of God reaching out to Jehovah and pointing to Jehovah, acknowledging that he is the giver of every good and perfect gift, that I'm dependent and I reach out to him as the one upon whom I depend entirely, knowing my unworthiness and looking to him. But then the word bless his name makes it even more explicit. As I reach out to Jehovah, what do I do? I fall on my knees. That's the picture here. So the picture here of one falling on his knees, reaching out to Jehovah, acknowledging my own unworthiness, acknowledging my sinfulness, my humility, and the one upon whom I entirely depend. That's the picture here that the psalmist gives as to how we express our thanksgiving to God. We're reaching out to Jehovah. We're falling on our knees in humility. And we're acknowledging this great God. This God is my God. And this God has done for me that which I could never do. He's taken me into communion with himself. He's given me to know his treasures, the inheritance that he's reserved for me. And I owe my all to him. As we conduct ourselves with that spirit the idea here is that we exalt him and that we adore him I'm nothing he's everything and he's the one to whom I owe my all that idea of enter can conveys that similar idea the humility and the acknowledgement of his greatness and his glory Psalm 96 verse, 95 verse 6 conveys the same idea. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. 
Again, that spirit of the humility, but also the reaching out and acknowledging our complete dependence upon Him. Who are we to be admitted into the presence of the Almighty God? That's the spirit with which we carry ourselves. Who are we to be blessed as we have been blessed with family, with friends, with generations who know the Lord and who confess Christ? Who are we to come into the presence of the Almighty God? We do so with reverence, with awe. And that reverence, that awe rises from the heart. There's a joy that stirs us up as we draw close to Him. And as the Israelites would get closer and closer to the temple, the tabernacle, that joy would increase as they'd realize what great things God had done and the privilege that was theirs to come into His presence. We show that reverence by the way that we approach God in prayer, the speech that we use. We show that in the manner in which we come into His presence in worship. We acknowledge our humility, our reverence, our awe. And beloved, our sin is exposed. We take so much for granted. We acknowledge that we don't humble ourselves as we ought before Him. We credit ourselves with what we have. We become proud and we think that what we have and who we are is because of our own works and our own actions. And then we start using them also in our own selfish pursuits. Evidence of the fact that we're not humbling ourselves before God. We're not serving Him with that which we have. We're not thankful as we ought, nor are we showing that. We're not putting Him first like we should. That lack of gratitude often is seen in disobedience. We aren't obeying Him. We're not walking humbly in accordance with His will. Beloved, by the power of God's grace, His Spirit opens our eyes, exposes our sin, and it works in us that thanksgiving. It works in us that stirring desire to serve Him, to sing, and to grow in knowledge. It works in us so that we lift up our hands and we point our fingers to Him. We acknowledge our total dependence upon Him. We bow ourselves to the ground in shame prostrate before him and acknowledging our dependence on him and we do this especially in his house don't we enter into his house his gates into his courts now for you and me that's a this is a private matter this is something that we experience every single day it begins in our souls and it rises up through our spirit in the privacy of our homes sometimes our own closets We are overwhelmed with the goodness of God toward us personally. And we show that. But the child of God never stands alone in this thanksgiving. Together, as covenant people, we show forth the praise of God. Historically, that was the way it was. Again, they came together. We join ourselves together. We join with fellow saints in order that together we might make known the praise, the joy that God has worked in our hearts. And as we do so, we pledge ourselves as servants. We're committed to His service. We gather in order to encourage one another in that service. We gather in order to sing. And what a privilege, what a joy that we sing from the hearts. Now sometimes we feel as though our singing is painful. seems like our singing is like entering into a parched, dry desert. 
We hardly dare join a chorus. But the singing in our church must continue to be that singing that thrills the heart. Singing as those who are refreshed by the Spirit of God and the living streams of salvation. And a singing then that is grateful and joyous and makes known the greatness of our God and what great things He's done for us. We come to church with joy because we would hear Christ. That's our need. We need to hear Christ and we need to grow in our understanding of His word for us and His will for us. And so we desire to gather in order that we might know Him and the joy and wonder of His word, His law, His commandments, that we might more fully show forth our thankfulness in obedience. And we don't come grudgingly. Sometimes we do as children, don't we? And even as we get older, sometimes it's a struggle. But we pray for the grace that God will work in us, that joy, that delight. I am a privileged person. I've been given to know the wonder of salvation. And I know this great God, not only as the fearful creator of heaven and earth, but my Father, who's embraced me in love and takes me into his communion and into his fellowship. And I come then with joy. I come with song. I come with a delight in and a desire to know him and the assurance he's going to receive me in love. He's going to embrace me and he's going to give me to know peace, comfort, and joy. I leave my burdens, my cares outside for a couple hours as I gather now inside in the presence of Jehovah God with his saints to express my gratitude and thankfulness for the wonders that he's wrought on my behalf. And we confess again, the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endureth to all generations. And we don't have to bring our bloody sacrifices. There's no more need for us to bring a lamb in, to take our turtle doves into the sanctuary, to bring our oxen in. There's no need for those sacrifices to be slain in front of us and the smoke to rise up. We have Christ. We have the Lamb of God who was offered on our behalf. And mercy allows us to enter into the gates. And the knowledge and wonder of Christ's sacrifice thrills our hearts. We have that sacrifice that God has received. And nothing more can be added. The blood and bulls and goats was never sufficient. There was always more needed. But not so with regard to the sacrifice of our Lord. And so, beloved, God works a longing in our hearts. And it's a longing that is so powerful that nothing can stop the child of God from showing forth his thanksgiving and praise to his God. This is the wonder of God's work. Not only is it a privilege, not only is it a calling, a duty that God lays upon us, be thankful, but God works it as a longing in our hearts. And he works this longing so powerfully that we can't stay away. We want to go up to Jerusalem. We desire to enter into the gates of Jehovah God. No one forces us to walk in thankfulness and no one can and we know that from our experience we can't force our children to be thankful sometimes we try we teach them to be polite we teach them to use the right language but still we can't show it from the heart and as parents we admonish our children we admonish our young people and they need to hear the admonition of Christ but no one can force it from the heart that desire to be thankful is a God-worked wonder 
God works his grace in our hearts. And God's spirit is such that that spirit stirs us up. And that spirit causes us to long after, to pant after the living God. Look at what God has done for me. Look at the wonders that God has performed on my behalf. And my desire now is to serve him. My life is not about me. It's about him. It's about living unto him and showing forth his praise. And I want to show that in everything that I do. My life now is about the opportunity to show this thankfulness in song. And what a joy then to sing. And what a wonder that God has put that new song in our hearts. And God desires. God works in us that desire to know him and to grow in his knowledge. As we contemplate and as we think upon Jehovah and his wonders in Jesus Christ, we're brought to tears. How often doesn't that happen? We think about what great things God has done. We consider all that he's done in our lives. And we're brought to weeping. Who am I? What am I to be worthy of this? And yet, my great God has taken me into this treasure of fellowship. And I owe my all to him. With a spirit of longing, our thanksgiving rises up as that expression of thankfulness. God worked the fruit of our salvation as God glorifies himself through his work in us. We're thankful for our possessions. We're thankful for the physical gifts God has given. But we realize these material things aren't good in themselves. They need to be used in his service. And we use them, we employ them in, in the service of our great God. And the redeemed child of God properly then thanks and blesses Jehovah's name for what great things God has done and for the means now to be busy in his service and to enjoy his fellowship and his communion now and to all eternity. Thankful for this church. Thankful for the building that he gives us. Thankful for our fellow saints. Thankful for family members. Thankful for all the means that God gives us. And thankful above all for this. We are his people. The sheep of his pasture. He's embraced us in love. He's given to us Jesus Christ. We are the recipients of eternal life. Though I die, yet I shall live. How can that be possible? No one can pluck us from his hand. So he holds us and so he keeps us. It's with this spirit that we're thankful. The power of the cross works gratitude and thankfulness in the hearts and lives of God's children. And we bless him as he gives. We bless him as he takes. We bless him so long as we live. Under all the circumstances of our lives, we pray for contentment in the circumstances in which he places us. We realize I don't deserve anything other than hell. And so woe unto me to have this spirit of entitlement as though I deserve these things that God has not been pleased to give me. He is my father. He knows better than me what's necessary for my life. And I look to him in order to bless him in all of his attributes, all his glory, and to show forth his praise. This psalm expresses even more so the joy and the gratitude that extends then throughout all the lands. And what a beautiful picture there too. The church Catholic 
It's not just me. It's not just my family. It's not just the body of Christ here. It's the body of Christ as it's found throughout the whole of the world. The whole of the world. This is the wonder work of God's work. That he works in the hearts of people from all over the whole world. Gathering them, bringing them to know the joy and wonder of salvation in Jesus Christ and causing them to rise up in joyful praise and thanksgiving to him for the work that he has performed in them. And this psalm points then to the glorious day when all the saints will be gathered out of every nation, tribe, and tongue in the fullness of that glorious Jerusalem, in the courts of heaven, where we will lift up then the praises of God perfectly, serving him as the angels now do, singing unlike anything that we've ever sung and showing forth obedience to him in a manner that will be without sin, without the burden of sin. What a day that will be. But beloved, today, that longing rises up in our souls to be thankful and to live not just today, but every day of our lives with that gratitude, serving Him, singing, and growing in our understanding of the wonder of His goodness and His mercy. Amen. Our Father who art in heaven, we thank Thee and we praise Thee. Forgive us our selfishness. Forgive us our discontentment. Forgive us our spirit of entitlement at times. And Lord, work in us that we might truly know the wonder of what great things Jehovah has done for us. And that we as the sheep of thy pasture might show forth thy praise today and every day. Amen.